All right, guys, before we start on today's episode, I have a quick announcement. Really excited about this. Starting August 31st, I will be offering you two shows per week. Now, I always do one on a Monday, right? Monday, you always get the show for me, but nothing again to the following Monday. And I'll tell you, I have tons of interviews just waiting to release and a lot of content that I've recorded that I really want to get out to you. And frankly, it's just taking too long. And I have assembled a really, really great team here for my podcast. And we have the capacity now to start offering you more. So starting August 31st, we will be offering you a show not only on Monday, but also on Thursday. So be sure to check that out. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, but you just come here and listen on Mondays because you know that's when we provide the content and the new shows, then please subscribe so you can get notifications when we have our shows on Thursdays and then you don't miss those as well. It's going to be great. There's so much good stuff that I want to share with you and I'm really excited that we now have the capacity and the bandwidth to offer that second show per week. So I'm excited about it. Look for that starting August 31st. All right, guys. Let's do this. After the fact, when we get these phone calls or emails and people are saying, hey, we got our first deal. And and it's not like it's been long, right? I mean, Rob, it's been, and these are people that are getting closings pretty immediate. So it's, it's exciting. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey guys, thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I hope you're having a great day. Hope you're having a great week so far. I'm psyched to be here with you today and bring you another fantastic interview with some truly, truly uh, awesome investors and, and, and entrepreneurs and people who are running multiple businesses, multiple streams of income. I love talking about multiple streams of income because I think it's super important and I think it's something you should really consider. Uh, We talk about this in the episode a little bit during the interview. Uh, I think you need to sort of nail what you're doing, get really, really good at one thing before you move on. But eventually, once you kind of nail something and then once you've scaled it, if that's your goal, is to move on and create another form of income. And the folks that I have on today are doing exactly that. My guests today are Rob Badhorn and his partner, Ernie Vargas. Uh, Rob lives in Arizona, uh, but he flips and owns real estate in Ohio. He worked in a corporate America job for 23 years, handling $1.5 billion in revenue for sales teams across the United States. He is consistently building multiple streams of income, like we talked about, especially during these challenging times as he considers himself a serial entrepreneur. Rob's rental portfolio includes flips and wholesales and 100 plus homes utilizing the marketing strategies of direct mail, bandit signs, and cold calling, ringless voicemail broadcast, Facebook custom audiences, and texting. So he's really going after people in multiple ways, which is awesome. He also owns a software company specializing in lead generation and skip tracing. It's called Lead Fusion. We'll get into that a little bit while we're talking. His partner, Ernie, purchased his first house in 1994 and continued doing real estate while working full-time, but uh, he didn't hit the success until he felt uh, uh, until 1999 uh, after an accident left him in a coma. He realized that life was short and he quit his job and went into investing full-time. Eventually, probate hit his radar and started him on a quest to learn 
all that he could about this niche uh, that no one had answers for. After many years of specializing in probate, Ernie has become a true probate expert, often helping attorneys uh, and their clients in the probate process. His ability to think outside the box with the expertise in negotiating and marketing has allowed him to help several hundred investors, agents, and sellers get deals closed. Now Ernie not only has more, more time to spend with his wife and kids, uh, but he gets to do what he truly loves, helping everyday people create wealth and personal freedom. Ernie and Rob were awesome on this podcast, and there were some gold bombs dropped and some real inspiration. So I know you're going to love this interview. I had a great time interviewing these guys. I've known Rob for a long time. I met his partner, Ernie, a while back as well. These guys are awesome and have a lot to offer. So I'm excited to bring this to you. Without any further ado, Ernie and Rob. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Ernie and Rob, I, I do appreciate your time and, and thank you for doing this. Thank you, uh, Mike. Really appreciate it. And a uh, great opportunity to talk to uh, someone like yourself. And, and thanks for having Ernie on as well. Yeah, Ernie. for sure. Lots of fun. You guys are doing some cool stuff and you definitely have a different business, uh, business businesses uh, than some of my other guests. So it's good. I love talking to entrep- like just pure entrepreneurs. It's, it's awesome. So we're going to get into some fun stuff during this uh, interview and we'll go into kind of some cool places that some I, probably most people are not ex- necessarily expecting it to go, which is is fun. So why don't we start off first of all, and let's go back. I'll start with Ernie, if that's okay. Go back uh, prior to your your real estate uh, investing, prior to uh, being involved with Rob. What were you up to, and and how did you get involved in this world? Uh, we don't have to go all the way up to present day. Just how did you kind of get into this world to begin with? Hmm. Wow. Okay. So I I used to sell cars for a living, right? Actually, wait, I'll go back a little bit. I used to sell, I used to be a chicken stalker and a forklift driver for Price Club. Okay. And, um, you know, if you guys know Price Club today, that's Costco Wholesale, right? Yeah. That was definitely not where I wanted to be. You know, there was a day where my manager had the best of intentions and and my manager pulled up on the forklift and said, Ernie, you know, I, I see that you don't like this job. I see that. that, um, that <laughs> you know, I mean, like, it's always I'm a talking, fun conversation. Yeah. So I'm stocking chicken for a living in the freezer, sweating, right? I did the graveyard shift. I did like, it was, it was a very, like, this was not the dream, right? Yeah. So, you know, as a, as a kid, I had all these ideas of all these things that I was going to do, you know, and then I end up doing that, which by the way, I have to say that I'm very, very grateful. That was, a, that was an opportunity. It was a great job, but that, that wasn't it. And so, you know, my manager had the best of intentions. My manager said, you know what, you, you, you really should take care of this job and really learn to love it. I mean, like really learn to love being here and doing this because if you play your cards right, you can go ahead and retire from this job and be here for the rest of your life, just like me. (laughs) And I was like, wow. How psyched were you? Yeah. Yeah. I was was like, you know, and and actually that was was the the best message I could have ever received because that was it. You know, good intention, you know, good words. But for me, it was like, yeah, that that's true. If I don't do something now, I'll be here probably for the rest of my life. And, yeah. and that, yeah. that's all right. But that's not what I want. That's not that's not where I saw myself. So yeah. I started looking through the classifieds, right? So the newspaper and um, I was looking for something completely out of the box. I was a big introvert, you know, really had no people skills. And, um, you know, th- there's 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 a there's an ad for a car salesperson. Right. And so I'm like, oh, man, OK, these guys must be making some good money. They're always in suits. 
you know, I just kind of thought, right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I go to the interview and, um, um, guess what? They hired me. I was like, I was impressed. I was like, Hey, I must've done a really good job. Yeah. But yeah. in actuality, I mean, it turns out that, you know, just about anybody can get the job as a car salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one thing leads to another. And, um, you know, my, my, my first day on the job was sales training and, um, my first day, um, I'm driving and it was a rainy day in March and I get into a horrible car accident and, um, that car accident actually left me in a coma. And so I used to drive a Jeep Wrangler at the time. And so they said, you know, I don't have no, no memory of this, but they said that my body was airborne. I basically literally flew out of the Jeep and into the, um, into the pavement of, of the freeway. Wow. And, um, so I was taken into, um, uh, you know, taken into the hospital. Um, my wife, uh, gets home that day from work. She's a school teacher, and and there's a message on the on the you know answering machine, right? So back then we had answering machines, right? Yep. And so she pe- presses play, and the answering machine said, "Miss Vargas, you you need to come to the hospital because your husband's had a little accident. Nothing to be worried about. Come on over." Well, they they didn't want to scare her, so they said a little right. accident. Right. Um, she shows up, and you know my my head's cut up, my chest is cut up. I'm obviously um, I'm out because I'm in a coma. My, yeah. Uh, broken bones everywhere. And and they said, you know, we don't know if your husband's going to live. I mean, quite frankly, um, it doesn't look very well. And, um, that, that same day was, was the day that um, she had discovered that she was pregnant with our first daughter. Wow. Um, and so, you know, so I had already put my toes in real estate prior to that, but I hadn't really got into it serious. Um, I was, you know, taking on these job after job, right. I was like one job after another job. Yeah. You know, long story short, I eventually came out of that coma. You know, I, I was able to leave that that hospital, went back to that job of car sales. I had no idea what I was doing because I never got the training. <laughs> um, but what I did get, you know, I, I learned to sell. I learned to um, communicate and, and I learned to be hungry. Right. And so I, I actually I, I think that we get a lot of lessons out of anything that we experience in life if, if we allow it to. Right. And so. Um, there's a lot of things that I didn't like about the car sales business. So eventually I, I left the car sales business. I got this advertorial piece in the mail that, that was advertising a, a seminar uh, for real, uh, actually for many things. Uh, real estate was one of them. I jumped into that uh, seminar. And, and if you guys have ever heard of that saying, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, I was literally living pay- negative paycheck to paycheck Yeah. because, you know, the things that we were being taught at car sales were not congruent with who I was. And so a lot of that was, you know, really you were taught to be deceitful. Um, yeah. and to how to, how to extract more money from people. And so, you know, uh, I, I grew up as a single child and I saw my mother taken advantage of a lot. You know, I was growing up. One of those instances was by a car salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, that just wasn't me. So I wasn't really making money in that yeah. business. All, all that to say, I just wasn't making money. I went to that real estate seminar and um, man, that was life-changing. And at the time that was Robert Allen. Okay. Uh, yeah. And for multiple streams of income. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, you know, when, when I went to that seminar, I, I, and I kid you not, this is, you know, when I say I was living negative to paycheck, I really was. The cost of that seminar was $99. So I literally had to go around the house and pick up change, wow. um, find any money that I could find, borrow. And then I went to that seminar and I put that $99 in a Ziploc bag and I went to the entrance. And I gave that money to to the man at the door. I remember his name was Tom. I said, Tom, here, here's the $99 entrance fee. He says, dude, you got to count that. <laughs> We're not going to, you know, and he wasn't trying to be me, but you know, there's a line of people in front of me and behind me. And so, and I felt, I felt so embarrassed to grab all of that money and literally stack the pennies here, the nickels there, the dimes there, the quarters there. 
right? And say, here's, here's a hundred dollars. But that's how bad it really was for me. Yeah. And, um, but you know, um, that was a big eye opening uh, experience for me to enter that and to hear about all the things that were possible. Cause that's what he said. You can do this, you can do that. Sure. Um, so one thing led to another, um, I didn't have the money cause at the end of the seminar, it was a, it was an offer to buy like a $5,000 program. Yeah. Um, I could barely put together $99, right? So I went back to the car dealership every single day. All I would do was listen to these cassette tapes that they gave us. And that's all people would say, well, where's Ernie? Managers would ask, well, Ernie's out in the car listening to those cassette tapes. That's all he does every single day. He just comes to work to listen to cassette tapes. <laughs> but you know what? I was, I was bitten by the yeah. idea of opportunity and change. I eventually was able to buy that course and I called them up. I, I got the course. And that's how I got started into real estate. I, I jumped in and my first deal making all the mistakes in the world, right? But by following everything that, you know, the, the biggest lesson that I was taught was what I would call to be a green pea. And in car sales, um, what I observed is that the person that that made things happen was the green pea. The green pea was a person that was brand new to the to the car sales business. The guy or the gal that had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. All they knew was to follow their their leadership's instructions, yeah. right? So they said, you know, talk to people that come in, don't qualify them, take them on a test drive, etc. Right? Yeah. So anything and everything that I was taught um, through the lectures and teleseminars back then and things like that, I I did. And so you know, being very ignorant, not having any experience. Um, I went out and I conquered my first deal, which was one hundred fifty-eight thousand dollars. Wow! Um, and, <laughs> and so, as, you know, after that, uh, and and you know, it just goes to show, though. But um, one of the things that was impactful for me was that it was said, you know, have a goal, right? So have a goal. Give that goal a deadline, right? And and then write that goal down, and then go out and take action. Like have a plan, right? On, on something that you're taking action on. So my goal was get first deal. Went to the calendar. Ah. Next Friday looks about good. I went to the <laughs> yeah. and I wrote on there, get first deal by next Friday. Okay, so that's written. My plan would be that I was going to cut out the notices of default, you know, so foreclosures off of the newspapers, yep. the legal the legal publications, and I would go out there and call each, every single day, staple them to index cards, and I would call them to verify that they were still in foreclosure, and I would go out there and door knock each and every single house that was on that, you know, every single day. Yeah. And so that was the plan. You do what you can with what you have, right? Totally. Didn't have the money, had two feet. Had a mouth. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Real quick, I because I, I want to get to Rob too. I want to understand where he got into this world as well. But I don't want to gloss over this hundred plus thousand dollar first deal. Can you give us the the uh, the cliff note version of how that went down? What kind of a deal was it? How'd you find it? How did you monetize that? Yeah. So it was a foreclosure. Door knocked. Typical that people have their problems handled already. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I would say is, you know, can I be your backup plan? You know, everybody needs a backup plan sure. in case that doesn't work out. So sure enough, that person calls me back and we just kind of worked through that, the, the legal process. I did everything in my power to, I was actually trying not to buy the property. Okay. I, mean, I, I was scared, right? It was my first deal. I was trying not to buy. <laughs> so I was trying to do everything to help her keep that house. Yeah. Right. But um, she really needed to sell this house. And so I was able to purchase it. What I did, you know, I, I lined up. So you have to be ready for when opportunities come. So I lined up my father-in-law with the home equity line of credit at the time. And so what I had him do was listen into these teleconference calls. Yeah. So he got to see what I was learning and I would share with him all of these things that I was learning. So he saw what my plan was and he knew on a day-to-day -day what my actions were. So the idea was that when an opportunity came, we would be ready and he would be my my lender. Okay. So through a line of credit, right, uh, equity, he was able to pull that money and have it accessible for me the minute that, that I said go. So did you flip the house? Did you wholesale it? How did you monetize I, it? I flipped it. Okay, I flipped okay. It. Yeah. so you put the work yeah. in, hired a contractor. Did you do the work? Did somebody else do the work? 
Uh, no, you know, um, I, I did the work and not, not me personally, um, but I had somebody do the work. Yeah. Talk about doing everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, welcome so, to the club. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I, I think that when you your intentions are good and you're focused and you keep at it, things come. As, 100%. As, even, a, yeah. even a horrible failure in real estate can make you money, just not as much yes. as you were hoping to make. But in this case, I don't know what you were hoping to make, but your failure was better than most people's best deals they'll ever have. So that was- I was hoping to make like 30000 or so. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you failed up, actually. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, Rob, talk to me. I, I've known you for a while now. How, remind me and, and tell the people who obviously don't know, how did you get started in real estate and why? Yeah. So how did I get started in real estate? Well, I figured out, you know, I'm, I'm six foot 10. So uh, the NBA did not work out for me. Unfortunately. <laughs> and six foot 10 is not a joke, guys. He is six it, foot it, 10. Yeah, it wasn't even actually in the picture wise for me. I figured I couldn't jump in high school and, and everything. So I figured, no, I'm just joking. No, real estate wise, how I got into it, you know, like everybody else, it's kind of the boring, boring trip, right? I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, went to a few seminars. Um, the funny thing is we're cleaning out our house right now. And this, oh, I opened this up and it's Carlton Sheets. I don't know if you remember him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, CD, totally. Right? Oh, yeah. Carlton Sheets. I have the original audio CDs, right? So if anybody wants to buy it, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I've always had that bug, right? I've always had the bug to get into rentals, you know, to get that passive income stream going. Um, at least I think that's passive and, and just really kind of start new adventures. But um, it, it took me a while to get going. You know, we, we both, my wife and I are in the corporate world. So we were in there. She's still in the corporate world. I, I kind of retired from it uh, about four years ago. You know, it had a huge success there. So I was able to monetize that, move that over into the real estate business, bought some rentals yeah. to kind of create that income that I lost from the corporate world, if you want to call it lost. And then just really, I found Justin Williams, the seven figure group, and it kind of exploded from there. Yeah. Uh, as you know, that's when we met, you know, yeah. in, the, in the first meeting in, in San Diego. So, and, and really just had rentals on my mind. And, and then yeah. for me, as kind of my journey went through, um, I think everybody goes uh, through, especially in the investing world, where you have these ups and downs, you know, valleys. At one point, I was holding on to like 18 houses uh, up in Toledo, Ohio, which is a small market, right? Mm-hmm. By anything. Yep. I'm in Arizona physically, so I was doing this remote. And I just said, wow. You know, and then all of a sudden, the, the, the winter came. And I, in Arizona, it's easy to flip a house in the winter, right? Yeah. You're still working on it. In Toledo, it's tough, right? You're, it's hard to do things when it's, you know, 20 degrees out. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a life lesson. And then of course the marketing money dried up and honestly I had too many houses. So I really went in to figure out how can I kind of like Ernie, how can I create leads in the cheapest way fashionable? Um, and that's where lead fusion was born out of, uh, basically. Okay. Um, so, so that's kind of the other adventure I'm in. When you did that first deal, Ernie, uh, approximately what year are we talking about? Oh boy! So that must have been back in about um, maybe ninety nine. Okay, all right. So, so I wanna I wanna follow these two paths because you guys didn't converge until what year? You you two physics like what what year did you guys start working together? Oh, uh, like, maybe w- w- within the last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This last year, right? So, okay, this is sort of like we're following two storylines a little bit here. All right, let's go back yeah. to you, Ernie, for a minute. All right, you did your first deal. You made over a hundred thousand dollars. All kinds of mistakes. I, I love it. I've, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say I, I was trying to make thirty thousand, made a hundred, and made every mistake in the book. Like I don't even want you to think about what you would have made had you not made every mistake in the book because it would have been even more. But mind-boggling. So once you did that deal, uh, are you still working at the car dealership at that point? No. Okay. No, no. Okay. So I, I assume that was the end of that. 
Where'd you go from there? What what happened next? Did you just go full force? You went into it, never looked back, or how did that look after that first deal? Yeah, I mean, I I basically went full force uh, from that point forward. And um, house flipping? Were you? Did you flip houses? Is that what the mode was? I, I've always done both house flipped and wholesaled you okay. know, since, since back then. So um, the opportunity for wholesaling has always been, um, you know, it, it's it's a very smart thing to do alongside of your flipping business. So Okay, cool. So when you were doing that and kind of growing your business as a flipper and wholesaler, did you have a team? Did you hire people? Were you doing it all by yourself and kind of running around or what kind of a business were you running at that time back in the say early 2000s? Oh, man. You know, I actually had had a team member, um, and that was my my daughter, my little girl. <laughs> okay. Um, and and I say that because you know I would door knock houses, but my wife was working; she was a school teacher, so I would take my daughter with me along on all of my brilliant, you know, uh, brilliant. So. Seems like a seems like a hassle, but uh, there's not much better way to endear yourself to strangers than having a, this beautiful daughter with you. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the uh, the movie There Will Be Blood with. Uh, it's a it's a story of uh, the guy the the oil guy and uh, he used to go into these towns in the eighteen hundreds and and try to buy up land so he could mine the oil and he would bring his son with him and and bring him to all the town hall meetings and stuff and people trusted him and loved him immediately because he had this cute little boy that he brought with him so yeah that's, oh, wow. I don't I don't think that was your intention but it's it's smart it's yeah. like bringing a puppy to the park if you're looking for a date it's just it's just yeah. a good idea you know what I mean right it's a good well I had a choice I, I I either stay home, right? And say, I can't do it because yeah. I have to take care of the baby or you get out there and do it with hundred percent, you know, whatever's in front of you. And, and the results were better, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. I mean, does she remember that? You know what? She doesn't remember everything, but she remembers um, the early days of probate because in the early days of probate, I would be at the court and she would always be with me there as well. Okay. So. Gotcha. Cool. So you're flipping house, doing wholesales. Did you do and follow that path and kind of grow your business until you and Rob met or was there any divergences, any other things that happened along the way, or was it pretty straight real estate going forward from that point? Yeah. I mean, pretty much um, it, it's, it's been pretty straight, pretty straight with real estate. Yeah. I, this is, this is, this is over 20 years now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, a lot has happened and um, in the 20 years I, I've done so much uh, wholesale has always been a big part of my business. What do you see the biggest change? What are some of the bigger changes you've seen since you started to now? Like how has the industry changed or has it? Maybe it hasn't, but what what have you seen over that time that's changed? Um, okay. Well, well, you know, what's really interesting is that everybody, I, I sort of hear everybody talk about how it's more competitive now, right? I, I, I hear that conversation and, and I think that, um, that that's true, but I feel that it's always been competitive. Um, it's always been so. I'm I'm in the LA market, and at least I can say that in my LA market, it has always been competitive. Yeah. Twenty years ago, as much as it is today, um, back then we had full page um, advertorials for real estate seminars. People yeah. would get to go to these seminars, you know, a, a three hour seminar for free, and every yeah. town had one across the nation. Yeah. So there was a it wasn't YouTube channels, you know, advertising all that stuff, but it was. Yeah. It was a like, Carlton yeah, Sheets, every, exactly. Carson Sheets, Robert Allen, Ron Grand. I mean, like, so yeah. every single city in America had these seminars. So, like, the level of competition, at least from my perspective, I feel has always been pretty st stable and, and and high. What has happened and continues to happen is that many people come in with the dream and the vision and the excitement. Yeah, but only a small percentage stay and stick with it. Yeah, and so there's always this turnaround, and so. Maybe what's different today is that we have the internet. And so the internet, 
I think makes it sound maybe um, like easier than it is. Not yeah. that it's necessarily difficult, but so then maybe you have more people trying it, but not yeah. necessarily sticking with it again. Definitely. Okay, cool. So Rob, let's just shift back a little bit. You mentioned you were in, in corporate life, a very successful career there. Why Why did you get out for real estate? What hap put that bug in, in you that, to make you think you need to do this? For number one, we, we've always had, my wife and I had a few rentals, right? And I could definitely see the path of, of expanding that and kind of blowing it up, right? To create that, that stream of, of cash coming in uh, to the family. Um, so for me, it, during that time, uh, quite honestly, my company was buying other companies um, and still is, is doing it to this day. And so they bought a company and there was two in the box. And we just basically said, hey, you know, if I could get a package here, it'd be great. Um, or, you know, whatever happens. Right. And, and of course, it happened. And uh, so I was lucky enough to get out of that in with some nice cash to be able to go off and, and recreate my stream of income in, in the rental portfolio. Nice. Uh, basically through flipping and through wholesaling and through, you know, just keeping some of those properties that we'd acquire with marketing in, in the rental portfolio. So it was really just that. I mean, yeah. in the passion was there just from a standpoint of I can create that rental stream, almost put it on autopilot. I self-manage today. I have one person, one uh, handyman, and I self-manage uh, those properties. Really? Um, and it's just really easy to do. I spend maybe two to three hours a week on that. And it's a, a nice income stream for me. How many properties are we talking about now? How many do you have in your portfolio? Twenty-five uh, right now, so not a ton, but it's 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 a nice where you can have where you can keep a handyman pretty busy in in a, in a rental agent. Are they all busy. in the same city, or is this local to you, or is this still in Toledo? They're still still all in Toledo. So okay. I always try to concentrate. You know, people would try to have me buy other rental properties in other areas, and I just didn't see the economies of scale. Right, as soon as you start doing that, and you buy, you got to find that other good uh, handyman or that other you know yeah. construction company that can help you out yep. right and i just saw the economies of having it in one concentrated place if i do it again uh, or if i add more you know it, as we move around as we retire i'm going to call it that i don't think i'll ever retire um, just because i love what i'm doing yeah uh, but you know we, we probably uh, start out and, and, and then have another concentration of rentals in another city right so yeah. I, i'm not the guy that's going to have one in you know Tennessee, one in Kansas, one in that's just right. not the way I, I think is, is the best way of doing it. Personal yeah. thing. I, I, t I totally agree with that, actually. So you self-manage just out of curiosity, because I have about 20 rentals myself. They're, you know, I don't know. They're not in the same city, but they're in the same kind of metro area. But I don't manage them myself because I I hate the idea of doing that. But I also have never tried it and I didn't have systems in place. And just out of curiosity, do you do all your own like background checks and applications? And, and do you, does your handyman show the places? Like how do you, the just some of that nitty gritty and the trench stuff that you have to do to get it up and running? Yeah. So great question. Um, yeah. I'm in Arizona. The houses are in, in Toledo, Ohio, uh, in the metropolitan area there. I call it metropolitan. Uh, but yes. And then by the way, my my rental manager who was in Phoenix um, used to do some other stuff for me from an office perspective. She's in Virginia right now. So she handles all of my houses from Virginia for the Ohio uh, market. But um, honestly, what has really changed, I would say, over the last five years is the software and the ability um, for to self-manage. So I personally use one called Buildium. There's other ones out there, but Buildium um, does the background checks. You can have the tenant pay, the applicant pay, or yourself pay. Um, it manages the uh, income. Um, I don't accept any checks. 
So it's all either ACH, debit cards, uh, credit cards, or they can go to a 7-Eleven with a uh, QR code and pay their rent. Uh, hand the guy cash, pay the rent, and then it automatically feeds into the system. Okay. It manages um, putting the properties out on the market on Zillow, apartments.com, every place. Yeah. Um, so really, if it wasn't for that software, yeah, I would need a team of people to be able to do that. Right. Um, I haven't taken to the nth degree where you could have a Bluetooth box, you know, on the doorway and, you know, a security camera in there. Um, so I just have my handyman basically do the open houses and show the properties. Okay. It's really that simple. Nice. Software is amazing. Okay. So like I said, I met you a while back when you started, when you started in the seven figure group, when I met you was rentals, was that your focus? And did that change? Did it shift? What has, what's been the evolution over the last three or four years? Yeah. So rentals has always been the focus. Um, I, I can remember uh, when we first had that one meeting uh, in San Diego and I was like, all right, we're going to wholesale. We're going to do you know, these flips. And I'm like, this is great, but I'm doing it so I can put all that cash into rentals, right? A hundred percent. And a lot of people kind of looked at me and then I did the uh, flip packing live, right? And that was my uh, presentation and uh, was on building your rental portfolio. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's always been a mainstay for me, right? Because I understand, and, and right now, like kind of the epiphany I've had over the last two years is I need multiple streams of income, not just the rental properties, but getting into other streams of income. And yeah. uh, that's part of the reason why, you know, Ernie and I have uh, partnered up. I partnered up on uh, land investing. We're starting to do land investing because I think it's a good time to do some land investing. Some cheap land, I think, is about to come available, Okay, you know, where you can buy and hold for a long time and, you know, uh, make some really good money off of that. <laughs> All right, guys, sorry for the interruption, but I just want to really quick remind you that Flip Hacking Live this year is on October 15th, 16th, and 17th. It's going to be packed full of amazing real estate investors just dishing, telling you everything that they're doing in their market to be successful, to be profitable, to scale, just all of their secrets and, and tactics and tricks that they're doing to be successful in their market. And because this is a virtual event, now we're going to bring this to you live in your home. You don't have to travel. All of the worries about traveling and COVID and are people going to be wearing masks? Are they going to try to shake my hand? Like, How far are we going to sit apart? All of those fears, if you had them, are gone because we're going to bring it right to your house. So the fact that it's a virtual event, in my opinion, probably means we're going to be able to make this even better. I'm going to be speaking at the event. It's going to be amazing. We're going to send out swag boxes. You're going to get free stuff. It's just going to be awesome. And right now, the tickets are so cheap. They're only $2.97. That price is going to go up. And that's exactly why I'm interrupting this right now to tell you the price is going up soon. Go grab your tickets now. You can go to www.best realestateevent.com. That's a new URL. It's a little easier to remember, and I thought that would be helpful. So go to bestrealestateevent.com. If you go and get your tickets before the end of August, send me proof that you bought them before the end of August. I will enter you in a drawing for me to pay for your ticket. So this thing could even be free. It's a no-brainer, guys. The cost of the ticket is insanely low. It's not going to stay this low. Go grab it now or you will regret it because this is going to be an event like no other. So go grab your ticket. Go to bestrealestateevent.com and I hope to see you there. All right, let's get back to the interview. Awesome. Well, that's a fantastic segue because I feel like I did a halfway decent job of merging you guys a little bit here. So now you come together last year at some point. Who approached who? And I, and the re, I want to get into this a little bit deeper than maybe you expected because partners and partnership is a real issue for some people. Some people are convinced I have to have a partner. Some people will say I'll never have a partner. I think both people are probably looking at it wrong, being that black and white about it. But what made you guys come together 
and why do you think it was a good idea? Well, uh, you know, we, we have different um, areas of, of experience and expertise. You know, Rob is, is very high tech, and I would say that he is an expert in understanding how to operate technology and especially in, in the area of real estate. Yep. For me, my area of specialty in, in real estate is probate. So uh, probate has primarily been my market for all of these years. I've also been a lead service provider and coach for people in the probate space. Um, I've been a private consultant to a lot of brokerages and a lot of investors. A lot of the investors that probably retiring or near retirement or have retired or even some of the older people in the industry have have come through my probate you know space. But you know all of my leads have always been sort of um, just really for my group. So it's nothing that I've advertised you know nationally. Yeah. Um, I, I keep getting more and more requests, more referrals, uh, more people that are interested, and it's it's way more than I can possibly take on. And so Rob and I actually, um, once upon a time, I was also in, in the seven FF with you guys. Yep. Um, and that, that's where Rob and I actually met and, you know, we hit it off and I forgot exactly how that conversation came about a year ago or so, but, um, right. Cause I was gonna say that you were in it a while back, right? It wasn't like you yeah. were just in it. So yeah. How, uh, how you guys reconnected like that? How yeah. You- so I called Rob. I remember that I called <laughs> Rob and, and I think, I think it was a question around skip tracing. Okay. And, and, you know, one, one, and then we, we sort of like this whole opportunity conversation just opened up and we started talking probate. We started talking skip tracing. See, I'm an old time skip tracer. I mean, I've been skip tracing for 20 years. Okay. Um, back, back in the old days, I used to use Merlin data and then Merlin data was eventually bought out by a company called TLO. Yeah. Um, but back in the old days, you know, we had to manually skip trace each and every single lead. And, you know, I've been a caller, you know, for, for this 20 year mark as well. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I think that that's one of the things that I remember. Um, you weren't in my small group room, but it was Andy and it was myself and one other guy that were talking about cold calling. Nobody else was doing cold calling in the 7FF group at the time. No. And so I talked about it. And and I remember, I think our segments were supposed to be like 20 minutes. And <laughs> I ended up going for about an hour plus. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, keep going, keep going, keep going. So I've had this whole world around cold calling and dialing and, and skip tracing for 20 years. And so, um, you know, Rob, he's the expert at skip tracing. Um, I've never seen a product like what he has in the world of skip tracing until I met him. Um, and believe me, I've, I've hired VAs. I've, I've done so much with skip tracing everywhere. And again, this is a guy that used to use Merlin. Yeah. Um, I came to Rob and wow, he showed me a world of difference when it comes to skip tracing, unlike anything out there that exists. And you know about that, right? Cause oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, so we brought both of the products together, the probate, uh, leads and the skip tracing, and it essentially we're able to do a lot of things on the back on the back office side of things to to make these things work together. Okay, so, so let's talk about that, right, Ernie? You've been you've been in real estate for since the late '90s or mid to late '90s, flipping and wholesaling and doing that whole thing and working probate, and that was kind of your it sounds like your niche for a lot of that time. Rob, you came into the industry about uh, rentals and and you did some some wholesaling and stuff to to cash flow and and you have this mm-hmm. rental portfolio. So at one point, Rob, you mentioned it earlier, kind of briefly, and we kind of brushed past it on purpose because I knew we were going to come back to it. Uh, you di- you said that multiple streams of income you f- you finally realized is what you needed to do, and I'll tell you, I could not agree more. And and I'm I'm super excited to to dive into this this part of 
business, not just real estate, but into, into business because, you know, I think it's really important for people to really get good and master something. Trying to do everything all at once and learn everything all at once, it's like, that's a recipe for disaster. But you get into yeah. something, you learn it, you get great at it. And rather than getting comfortable and just saying, I'm going to keep doing this because that's one food source. And if that food source wavers or goes away, now what do you do, right? So multiple streams of income can be a lot of things but the when you have synergy that's that's huge right so so what i'm saying is you're a house flipper and then the next thing you decide to open up a shoe repair business like there's there's no synergy there it doesn't make a lot of sense but you're opening up multiple streams and you're connecting with people like ernie and ernie you're connecting with rob to strengthen and create this world that sort of helps feed itself. And so let's talk about that. You mentioned the name earlier and, and Ernie, you just re- kind of referenced it, your your skip tracing business. Why don't you tell us the name of that, why you started uh, a skip tracing company like that, the software that you use and the the, um, the that service behind it. Why did you do that? You have this rental portfolio. We kind of alluded to it with multiple streams, but what was the actual like, I'm doing it? What made you do it? Well, the, the, the one thing that uh, was the actual thing that uh, made me do it was the fact that I ran out of marketing money. Okay. Uh, quite honestly, I was holding on to some houses through the winter. You know, if we go back to that story through the winter and everything dried up, you know, my mailers, I couldn't afford sending out mailers, you know. And yep. so I said, you know, what are some other things that I can do? And I said, you know what, I'm going to start, you know, going on Zillow, going on other websites, finding tired landlords. Yep. Finding out where they were, you know, going to the county records, figuring out who owned the properties, you know, then finding, you know, the phone number for those folks. And I said, this is, this is a lot of time, right, to do this. I was hiring a VA and I made videos. I remember this, you know, I made videos for these people to follow. It's like, okay, here's the probate records. Here's how you get them. Um, here is, you know, the landlord's list. You know, these are the, you know, the last seven days, these, these houses went on the market, right? Yeah. Or they've been on the market for a really long time. You know, like days on market are over 100 days for a house. Well, it's a perfect flip opportunity, right? Yeah. So find out who the owner was, go to the county records, find the phone numbers for the person, and just literally just start calling, right? And so I had my VA pull the list. I had, I had a, a person that was my lead manager uh, at the time start calling the people. And that's kind of how everything was born. Past that, I said, I'm, I'm a big data freak, number one. And number two, um, when it becomes, when it can bring value, not only to myself and other people, that's what really gets me excited, right? When you're filling that niche where it didn't really exist. Um, and so LeadFusion, LeadFusion.com was born uh, basically out of that need uh, yeah. for that. So like anything else, I think we all are always looking, either we're in R&D and we're trying to develop this cool new widget, or there's a need that you need to fulfill either in your personal life or someone else's life. And and it just kind of grew a seven figure, right? You know, grew within that group, got a lot of feedback on the product itself, redid the product two, three, four, five different times, um, and, and really came out with a, a, a final, I want to call it a final product. It's never final. I'm always adding stuff to it. Right. Uh, like we just added the ability to, you can send me addresses and I add ownership information into it. And then we skip trace it all for the same price. So it's always, you know, progressing um, yeah. up, up the uh, up the chain in terms of value that we're trying to bring. So, 
So it's always smart. It's always smart to have a business like that, that you start out of need. You you saw the need. It was driving you crazy how long it took. You have a knowledge of the industry and you combine that with a group of people that know, love and trust you and and know that you, you know what you're doing and know what you're talking about. And, and you start a company that way. So just in a nutshell, I, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. I guarantee you've thought of this, but what makes lead fusion? Why lead fusion? Why not just go somewhere else and get my skip tracing done? Why, why you guys? That's a great question. I, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of different people out there uh, and they're all good, good skip tracing companies, no doubt about it. I think what we do in terms of value in the amount of data that we're able to provide you for the value associated with it, right? Um, for the price per append, right? When I started out, everybody was charging for searching. And I said, that's nuts. I'm just going to, I mean, what, you're going to pay for something that you don't get. To me, as a as a, a BSWE and engineer, I said that value just doesn't appear to me, right? That's not logical. So I said, okay, I'm, I was one of the first guys that said I'm going to offer it at the append, right? In other words, if it only appends, that's when you, you know value is given to you, and that's when you should pay. Yeah. So we do a lot of different things on top of you know that on top of bringing in last known addresses, you know, which uh, other people call golden addresses or, or whatever. We bring in multiple phone numbers, landlines, cell phones. Um, and it's not just one or two. People say, well, why is there five or six? And I say, well, sometimes we pick up the people living at the house, right? And not necessarily a bad thing. If you're trying to get someone in that household, right, and you uh, ring that person and it's, it's the person's wife, not a problem, right? You're still talking to the person that you want to talk to, right? So yeah. um, that's always a good thing. We provide emails. We provide other uh, 18 other fields within that skip tracing file of information for you to make decisions on income. It's just crazy. There's age. Uh, is the person deceased? All that, all that type of information that a lot of the other guys uh, provide too. Um, but on top of that, we the format that is makes us special is that you can give us an Excel file. We keep your format. Um, your data. So it's not a template that you have to load your information in or anything like that. We try to be the easy button. And I know that's trademark, but we try to be the easy button when it comes to providing customer service. So you give us your file, we give you back the file, the same file plus our information. And then we also give you multiple tabs of that file in different formats. So you can upload it into pretty much every system imaginable. And if we don't have it, let me know. I'd be happy to change the uh, the form. Yeah, I think that's huge. You know, one thing I've learned about entrepreneurs, and I'll, I'm in this group, uh, and I'll include myself in this um, sort of broad brushstroke. But one thing I've learned about entrepreneurs is we can be in- incredibly lazy when it comes to details and redoing the format of an Excel file, like having to like split columns, put columns. Like it almost will stop us in our tracks for the most part. So you being that easy button to use that term, but you giving it back in the same format and being flexible about the ki- the way that you give back the data so that it's easy to use when you get it as as opposed to this lump of information that now I have this task of trying to figure out how to format it in a way that's usable to me, it comes back in a, in, in a usable format that I need for my company. So I know, and I, and just to full disclosure, I, I've used your service. I have used it. I do use it and I will continue to use it. It's a great service. Um, yeah, you, you, you do a great job and, and it's just, you know, working with someone who has such a 
high level of integrity and and you care about what you're doing and your reputation. That's that's all huge. So when you guys came together and you like you said, Ernie, you you meld you brought together your probate and 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 what uh, Rob was doing with skip tracing. What is the result of that? How is the business different now that you're in it, Ernie? And and how does the the product look? What was the benefit of all of that getting together? Well, I think that we're, we're able to help a lot more people. Um, I think that um, as far as I know, of, I, I am the first probate leads provider in, in the country. And, um, you know, the ability to keep with continuous changes in the marketplace, I understand that more and more people are interested in skip tra- in calling people. So right. naturally, they need skip tracing, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot, a lot of features that uh, technology can bring forth to a lead. Um, and so in working with Rob, we're able to kind of put both of our brains together, my, my brain with leads and data and history and operating in the courts and being yep. able to extract different types of lead sources. Even we're talking about many other leads that, that we're looking at things that I've experienced because I've been in the court, you know, my entire life, almost I feel right in, in this, in this business at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, you know, Rob has all these other perspectives. Hey, we can do this. What if we can match this to that? We can find this person based on, you know, X, Y, and Z. Oh, wait a minute. Who's the relative that, you know, for example, we're looking at a few, uh, I'll give them a little insight, uh, inherited leads, right? Uh, okay. uh, who are the relatives, right? Uh, yeah. All of these things, what properties are they controlling? And there's so many things that, that I can grab from the court, but that he can also put together with the technology that, that just brings a lot of value to the marketplace. A lot of investors and agents as a whole are, are now contacting us and asking for more, more of this. And Mike, I think we bring we bring really a couple different sets of values. Number one is we have technology, and the technology I've developed um, inside of Lead Fusion to do a lot of different stuff. And it's not stuff that you folks, as a typical investor, would even understand that you need to have in order to make this particular lead valuable. If that makes sense. Yeah. And so we've developed all those technologies kind of behind the scenes, and that's why you know right now we're doing probate. And Ernie's being a little um, how do you say it when you're modest. Uh, uh, modest. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, he's been a little modest and, you know, he has researchers all over the country now, right? So the value that the two of us got back together or when we got together was he has this researching arm that literally goes into the course and hand pulls these, you know, this data. It's not some automated thing that might get it wrong, right? right. These are people hand pulling records out of the court. And then you merge that with skip tracing and my ability to find relatives and be able to find other facets about that particular lead um, becomes really powerful. And that's the value I think we can bring. You lump in inheritance leads right on top of that, which is our next product that we're coming out with. We'll be one of the top suppliers in probates and in inheritance here in, in the near future, uh, just, just because of that. Just out of curiosity, is 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 the service that you provide, is it purely just reacting to people asking you for information or is there anything do you guys prepackage anything or do you have like any any sort of a product that you offer i really don't know i see you laughing but i don't yeah, know if I get no, on something no 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 it's 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 a great question i think between ernie and myself um from a technology and ease of doing business i bring that to it the high tech side of it ernie being the probate fox right you know he has an education he has a book he, he actually sits down with our customers um, you know, and goes through the whole process. And, and Ernie, you can talk about it better than I can, um, about everything that he offers on top of just buying the leads, right? That's just not where there's a lot more value than just buying the leads itself. But yeah. I'll let Ernie. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I will say that, you know, understanding what a real probate lead is and being able to uh, differentiate a, a, a real probate lead versus 
you know, something that somebody else has put together. And so that's something that I've seen over the last few years is that more and more people are selling leads online because it's it's money, I guess, right? Yeah. Maybe maybe it's an opportunity, but a lot of what is out there isn't really a probate lead. And the marketplace doesn't know if they're not in the if if they're not working that market, you know, actively and have been doing it. They just don't know. They believe what people are saying. And so that, that that's a big that's a big part of that is helping people understand that and then helping people people to understand how to communicate with these sellers and how to help these sellers so that they can convert into into a into an actual closing. And so sure. yes, you know, a lot of the folks that, that have come on board, um, I've had a blast talking to them because you know, not only do I get to onboard them and train them and, and talk to them about what type of conversations they should be having and 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 the different directions that they will be going and how they should be prepared with with a probate deed, but then after the fact, when we get these phone calls or emails and people are saying, hey, we got our first deal. And and it's not like it's been long, right? I mean, Rob, it's oh. been, and these are people that are getting closings pretty immediate. So it's, it's exciting. Okay. Awesome. Just out of curiosity, this is just more for my information, I guess, but uh, maybe people are wondering as well. When it comes to probates, I've heard a lot of um, debate or, or conversation around the best mode of communication with, with a probate lead, whether it be cold calling, uh, a postcard or a letter because it's more, you know, more thoughtful or personal. Uh, it, are they all good? Is one better than another? Like, what's the best form of, of reaching out to, to folks? And I'll, and I'll jump in here just before Ernie goes. And I think that there's two different, at least from my perspective, there's two different sides of that. I think there's one that if you can get a hold of the petitioner, you know, from a probate lead, then you're kind of set, right? Um, but if you can't, or you're trying to convince the whole, I would say, group of people to a decision, especially if you got a lot of errors in it, yeah. then that's where kind of you need the different forms of medium, whether it's the address or whether it's a phone number or an email of those people, all of which we provide. Then I think there's two sides to that if if it's an easy probate lead and you got a hold of the right person and there's no other no other people involved. Great, but if there's a lot of people involved, then you need a lot of different forms of medium to get them. But Ernie, I'll let you finalize on that one. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I I think it really varies on the market, right? The the, the um you know the, the city size and and so forth and, and the level of, of other people that that are prospecting to that specific market. You know, direct mail works just fine, but it, it's a consistency thing. Okay. And obviously, the, the the bigger the metropolis, the the, the more mail pieces that, that these people are getting. For the most part, though, I will say that probate is is a market that that it, it's a harder lead to obtain. So it's not a lead that has been one that people can just go out and buy off of like list source or something like right, that, right? right? Because there's a lot more hurdles to get that lead. It's less likely that people are communicating with that seller. And then to understand the the real life challenges that this seller is going through is very very important, right? Um, and, and that's where the real value is. When we're talking about motivated sellers, the ultimate motivated seller is probate. And that's why I've stuck with probate for over 20 years, because it has been the, the low hanging fruit, right? right? You have people who have inherited a house who not didn't necessarily work for that house. So it's, it's, it's essentially free money. So psychologically, it's a lot easier to let go of. Yeah. Um, plus, it's wrapped with a lot of burdens and, and um, financial obligations, right? Every time that a document needs to be filed at the court, you're looking at about $350 to $450 for that filing fee, yeah. right? Most American households don't have that. Then whenever there's a conversation about money in, in, in a family, there tends to be a lot of this, right? A lot of tension. Yep. And so so the, 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 there, there is a big need for, for liquidation. So um, all, all that to say that um, when you're communicating with sellers, it's really understanding what their pain points are 
And for me, my, my favorite, most preferred method of communicating with sellers in probate has been on the, on the telephone. Okay. I like doing that. So that's part of that. And that, that's another thing, right? What, what is your communication comfort level like? Right. Yeah. But I will say, um, Mike, that, that this can be done um, just as easily as in a big city as it is in a small city, because um, when the market took its shift, you know, 10, 12 years ago, yeah. Um, yeah. I shifted my entire operation to Indiana and Ohio. And that was at, at a snap of a finger. And that was all wholesale. And that was all done remotely, you know, yeah. from California to those states. So you're a wholesaling probate leads at that point. Yes. Wholesaling uh, probate properties. Probate. Yeah. Probate so, properties, yeah. Okay. So how does that look? You, literally like a normal wholesale deal, you found it through probate, you got it under contract and flipped the contract. Yeah. Okay. But you you and took so, it to the point of actually of getting a purchase agreement. You didn't flip the relationship in any way. The relationship. What do you well, mean? Well, meaning you didn't get them like interested in potentially selling and then bring somebody else in and let them close it. Like you were closing the deals before you flipped. No, 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 no. I, I, are, you, are you talking about myself closing on the transaction and then reselling it to somebody else? No, no I guess I stated that wrong. So it was a, it was a typical wholesale deal where you get the contract. Okay. You you go as yes. far as getting the actual purchase agreement and then you flip that. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure. But I, but I guess what I was asking is were you, were you generating leads for people? You weren't generating leads. You were you were actually getting contracts. Correct. Getting yeah. contracts. But but I have been a lead generation company in probate for, for, for many years as okay. well throughout the country. Yeah, that, that I have been. Okay. Um, so and, and I think the other thing you gotta keep in mind now with the COVID nineteen, unfortunately, and I want to say thank you for all our first responders because I have personal friends that are doing that. Yep. Um, and it's not an easy thing. But now with the COVID nineteen era, it kind of throws in so now before you had a family that inherited a property that really was quote free to them, if you, if you want to call it that. You know, there might be some emotional ties there. But now you throw in COVID nineteen and um, unfortunately there's more deaths going on. Number one, number two, a lot of those families now are in financial stress, so they've been laid off or whatever. So they need cash even more now than they did before. So yeah. as an investor, um, if you really want to help people out, this is one way that you can do it, and and really help out the people that are in probate and they're going through you know a grievance and kind of take that load off of them because ninety percent of these homes we get are not the um, you know, they look beautiful inside. They've just recently been done. They're living in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, right, in terms of the furnishings in it and so forth. So it's not like they can just put it on the market and get top dollar and turn around and, you know, in, in 30 days, a six-month mm -hmm. process, right, at that. And then if, as you as a cash investor, as, you, as we all know, you can make that uh, process much shorter for them. Yeah, that's a that's a great point, Ernie. I want to ask you because you've been in probate now forever, basically. Um, let's let's address that. Rob brought it up. Let's address that for a minute, and I and I want to talk about this because I've been in this long enough to have heard the naysayers. Right, you're taking property. You're basically stealing properties. So tell me why someone who's in a in probate and in and, uh, and contacting probate leads. How are you being helpful and what's the difference between helpful and deceitful or or taking it preying on this person who just had a loss? Oh yeah, the, the, there's so much to say. There probably more than than I have the time here, but <laughs> um, I really do mean that. Yeah. You know, I think that you have to have a passion for people in the, in this probate business. You have to have a real genuine love for the the work that you're doing because you're more than a buyer, you're a counselor 
I sometimes feel like a like a chaplain. You know, I, I do um, prison work, by the way. And, and so like I often they call me the chaplain at, in prisons, but I almost feel like that is part of that in, in this business of, um, of, of probate, because um, the, the reality is that that there's so much grief that people are going through. Right. And it's not only um, you would think that it's because of the passing of a loved one. Yes, that is true. There is pain there when somebody has passed away. But you have to understand that the majority of people that have died are people who have already lived a full life. That's the majority of people, you know, people that were in their 80s and 90s. And, and so we, we sort of feel this comfort when, when an elderly parent or grandparent, you know, moves on, yeah. right? You know, th- yeah. they're away yeah. from the pain and all these other things, right? There, there are cases when somebody dies when they're not supposed to, right? There, there are parents who actually have to bury their children. Sure. That's horrible. That, that is absolutely horrible. And that happens. Um, as a matter of fact, um, it's a conversation that I just had this morning. So I have a, a team of people that I train on my own team on every Tuesday mornings. I have a meeting with them. And, you know, that was one of the conversations that one of the guys said, you know what? I feel so bad when, you know, people are crying on the phone because it's her son who died. And, you know, this wasn't supposed to happen. What do you do? So we're not ambulance chasers. We obviously are never trying to take something from somebody else. But the reality is that we're looking for those that need help. And, 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 and there's a lot of help that they need in probate, Mike. The, the attorneys are there as the legal advisors to these people, but you know the attorneys are all over the place. There are attorneys that are very good and helpful people, but there are many that are not. Yeah, there are many yeah. that are too busy, or there are many that you know just aren't even experts in the probate space. I mean, and that's a whole different conversation. I can go so many different ways. Sure. Um, but the reality is that you're looking for those folks that really need out, and the truth is that most people shy away. From probate, I think maybe because of the misconceptions, you know, it, 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 it's a legal process, it takes too long, you know, whatever ideas or thoughts that, that they have in their mind. Um, so there are a lot of people out there that genuinely need that service. And so understand that when a seller needs liquidity in an estate, that liquidity is usually tied up in a house in, yeah. in, in a piece of property. Yeah. And therefore, they cannot move to step two until they work around that step one, which is uh, selling that property. Exactly. So we're really there to help. Now, sometimes, yeah, we get people that are mad and say, hey, why are you calling me? Right. Sure. Um, and, and if that's the case, you know, we, we don't understand where people are coming from. They may be having a bad day or, you know, they, they really are not wanting to listen to you. And that, yeah. that's all right. Right. Yeah. So what percentage of the people in your experience, Ernie, that you purchase their, their, their probate property and, and get them out of that situation, let them get to step two? What, what percentage of those folks are grateful to you, would you say? Oh, man. Transactions that I'm actually, you know, complete transactions. Yeah. Every single one. Yeah, exactly. That I was, I was, I was leading you a little bit, but people are are grateful for this. This isn't like they go, oh, you got me on this one, you know. No, the, you're 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 absolutely providing a service that they desperately need and don't know what to do. So, um, anyways, I, I just want to go down that path for a minute because I know that sometimes there are misconceptions, and and clearly oh, yeah. you're you you have a you know good heart and your heart's in the right place. Friends for life. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. You get calls on Valentine's Day. You get calls on Mother's Day, Father's Day, whatever. Right. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So I understand where you guys are Uh, from your your business and your partnership. It seems to make tons of sense. So far, so good. Things are working well. Again, the partnership side of it, just be careful. Not you guys necessarily. I'm just saying people who are listening to this, partnerships can be great. I've had a partner for years. It's great. I've known people who had partnerships that it didn't go well. Just make sure that your goals are aligned. You know everything. You're, you know, I, I tell people all the time: if you start in New York and one person has a goal of getting to Chicago and the other person has a goal of getting to Los Angeles, it's going to seem great 
for a while, and then there's going to be a real problem, right? So somewhere along that that Illinois line where you have to go up toward Chicago, you're going to realize you have different goals. So just just pay attention to that. And anything else, you guys, you want to cover uh, before we before we end this? Because I, I it's been a while. I don't want to be disrespectful of your time. I appreciate you guys doing this. The service that you're offering, Lead Fusion, fantastic. Go leadfusion.com. We'll put links in, in the show notes and all that. Oh, real quick, I did write this note down while you guys were talking. Rob, you mentioned a book that Ernie has. Ernie, you have a book that you wrote, I'm assuming, a while back, or is this more recent? Um, Actually, it's more recent. It was actually due okay. to be released right prior to the COVID. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And, and then COVID came, so I, I sort of held back. And so okay. I'll probably go ahead and release it sometime soon now that I think we're getting you know past this. Um, will it be on Amazon? Like, will it be available like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, What's, do you know that you have a name for it? Uh, Probate Profits. Probate Profits. Okay. Yeah. We'll put yeah. that in the show notes as well. And and uh, whenever it becomes live, you can let me know. We'll, we'll put a link in there too. But for yeah. now, we'll just put something in the show notes. Uh, probate Profits. That's awesome. Uh, definitely check that out when it comes out. Guys, if you have any questions or anything, by the way, I, like I said, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a user. I'm a client. Uh, they, they provide an excellent service. If you have any needs as far as that goes, please reach out to them. Do yourself a favor, reach out to them. It is the easy button and uh, it's awesome data. So for that, guys, I appreciate you doing this. Um, we will put all your contact information, if that's okay, we'll put that in the show notes. So if people want to reach out to you, anything else before we go, any any parting words, last things you want to you wanna say? No, Mike, for me, thank you for having us on. Really appreciate it. And hopefully, you know, we all go through this journey in life um, for real estate investing and just in general, right? Yeah. Um, if ever, you know, I'm, I'm an open book. If anybody wants to ever talk or, or anything like that, feel free to contact me. That That's not a problem. I just really want to help people out is the bottom line. You know, once you kind of create multiple streams of income, you know, for yourself, the next thing you want to do is help people out. Right. And, um, and, yep. and are always here to do that. And of course, the groups that we belong into, Mike, uh, ourselves, uh, you know, do that as well. Right. We all try to help people out and help each other. So sure. absolutely willing to help people out. So thank you very much uh, for having us on and having me on. Awesome. I'll say that I sort of have a, a theme with with um, my group of callers. Right. And, and it's keep moving forward during this you know, COVID-19 era. Uh, we, we are the only group of people. That, that I'm aware of that that is still pulling probate leads today during this COVID era time. Are courts closed? Yes. Well, how are you pulling leads? Ah, well, you know, we, we've got some inside track. That's secret sauce. That's right, secret do. sauce. Yeah. And, um, you know, so understand that, that because we're pulling data that nobody else is pulling, nobody else has access to walk into the court and, and do this on their own. We are the only people that are doing that. Therefore, our subscribers are prospecting these, to these people and they're getting leads converted. They're getting them, um, you nice. know, in, into escrow. So um, keep moving forward at whatever that you're doing. Um, at the end of the day, sellers still need to sell and there is light at the end of, at the end of the road. So absolutely great way to end it. Guys, thank you for your time. I appreciate it very, very much. And we will be talking to you soon. All right, guys, hopefully you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed doing it. Those guys are awesome, very smart, multiple streams of income. Don't sleep on that concept. That is really, really important. But I don't want it to distract you from the ultimate goal, which is building a business that gives you financial freedom, financial freedom and freedom of time. And that is the goal, right? But once you get yourself in that position where you have this whole real estate thing nailed or you have maybe house flipping nailed and you want to go to wholesaling to create some of that consistent income, then go for it, right? 
uh, different streams of income, multiple streams of income, doesn't have to be outside of the industry you're in. You can create multiple streams of income that support the main income and sort of all ties in and there's synergy there. And that is an awesome thing when that happens. So if you want to do that, it all starts with the first step, right? A journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. The first step for you is to get out there and just start. So get out there and get going. Make today awesome. Go out there and crush it and take that first step of a thousand steps that are a thousand miles and start doing something. Go out there and just get started. All right, guys, have a great day.